Fucking fuck. Alright, so we're back today. It's episode three. So look guys, I just wanted everyone to know that this podcast, so much uncensored. Mm. It's actually supposed to be just me and Maz. Yeah. The first two episodes, we just thought it'd be cool to get some guests on. So for those that have only just started listening to season two, strap yourselves in, um, get keen. We're going to talk a lot of shit today. <laughs> Fucking fuck. Let's go. Go and do meditation. Go and do meditation. I was like, I was like, man, she wanted to sit down for Masturbation. I wasn't empathizing with Hitler. Fucking fuck. Anything you want to do, you can. Be a professor. Wink, wink. Clearly, you spent too much time on Alright, so. Maz, do you want to say anything before I start? Uh, no. Go. Alright, sweet. Alright, so the other week is a Friday. Um, <laughs> I was at one of my friend's houses. Uh, let's just say I used a, a, you know, the vases they put flowers in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like sometimes you can use a flower vase and it helps you get to a higher dimension. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, just take the flowers out and then you just put them. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, sweet. Flower vases is really good. Just get rid of the flowers and just use the vase. You, you do need to make a little bit of a hole in it. Oh, really? Shit. <laughs> I was probably doing it wrong then. Alright, sweet. So, anyway, <laughs> that was fun. And I was take, I got an Uber to go home. And I went outside and the Uber driver's name was like, it was like some Middle Eastern name. And I was like, fuck, this guy's Persian. Like, I, I know he's Persian. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is going to be fun. So I go in the car and he's like, oh, Samim, where are you from? I'm like, Iran. And I was like, where are you from? He's like, oh, Pakistan. <laughs> I was like, sweet, let's go. This is going to be fun. So he just like, he just started asking like random questions about my life. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, like, are your parents still together? <laughs> okay, you know what I find really interesting? What? Like, so a lot of, um, maybe nine out of 10 people I've ever talked to would say like, when they get in the Uber, they just like, don't want the Uber driver to talk. But you're like, oh, that's going to be cool and interesting. So you're like Bruh. excited to talk to the Uber driver. Bruh, I've had so many interesting conversations with my fucking yeah, that, that's, just, that's just like a Samim thing. Yeah, no, it is. I just wanted to note that. It's a Samim. It is. It's a Samim thing. Um, so anyway, he's like, and I was like, this is weird. Like, why is he asking about my parents? Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I would tell him. So I'm like, yeah, my parents like divorced. And like, my dad lives in a different city. And he was like, oh, like every, every young person I talk to, their parents are divorced. And, you know, what's going on in this country? <laughs> what's going on in this country? <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, this is a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and anyway, we, we had this super deep DNM about how he reckons that, you know, family values have been lost in the West. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that a lot of young people have lost faith in the idea of marriage. And he reckons that in the Middle East, people are happier. Um, they have happier marriages. They have less divorce rate. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. I personally think that 
there is less divorce, but only because it's more taboo. Yeah. And like culture, you're not as, not as acceptable. It's just not accepted. It's just like when you weigh up the pros and cons, you're like, there's a lot of social consequences if you divorce. So much shame. A lot like, of shame in the yeah. middle of it. So then to me, I was like, well, like this guy's just like, he just doesn't understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you know if he was sort of grew up back there or mm-hmm. did, did he tell you yeah I think he, he lived in a, he's lived in a lot of different cities around the world but he grew up in Pakistan came here like I think 5 or 10 years ago yeah so he was sort of like adult when he came adult here. when he came yeah. but, but the, the, anyway the, the reason this is really interesting is because because I told him I was like well I have no faith in marriage I think marriage is like, like literally I was reading this book and it was mentioned in the statistics. So 57% of marriages, mm-hmm. and I think this is from the US, end in divorce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, if you even go a little bit more into it, imagine how many percentage of like relationships end in breaking up. Yeah. Because, because the, the marriage is the ones that you sort of like, You've like vetted the person and you've come to this conclusion. Exactly. Okay, this is, this is, this is going to be it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of like process of thinking and like double checking and maybe even asking your friends and family's opinion. There's a lot of things that goes into before you get married with someone, right? And you just don't have that with all of your other relationships. So relationships, vast majority of them do end up in breakup. No, they do. And, and and not even that. It's like, then you have the percentage of people who are in unhappy marriages who just don't get divorced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, like, uh, let's just say 20% of them. So 20% of marriages, they're not divorced, but they should be divorced. And I think I think that percentage varies massively country to country. Like I reckon in Iran, it's a lot higher than it is in Australia. And that's why I like the reverse of it. So in Iran, the divorce rates, I'm, I, I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'm guessing divorce rate in Iran is a lot lower. Yeah. But the rate of the unhappy marriages is a lot higher. It's like a I lot of so. those ones just get divorced in here. I think so. And anyway, so the the the, the question up, up for debate, because I think everyone knows this. Everyone listening is probably like, yeah, fucking, of course, marriage is controversial and there's a lot of divorce happening mm-hmm. but then i have two questions my first question is why do people keep getting married like like everyone knows about the fate that awaits them but everyone thinks oh no i'm different i'm special i'm but i really love this person and you don't understand it's so special and i'm like well you think that fucking 70 percent of people who got divorced they didn't feel the same way you felt when they got married <laughs> I mean, look, I'll, 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 I'll tell you, there's a, if I find someone where I feel those kinds of feelings towards, I'm probably going to get married. But, but why? Um, I think for me, the, the idea of a family, like, like, I think, I, I think if you want to have a child, having a marriage provides more of a container than if you just sort of like partners. Mm. So I, yeah, what, I what do you mean container? So like there's there's some first of all so there there is actually some benefits to being married. Okay, please share. Yeah. So for example, uh, there is 
there's a bit of a bias towards single people so let's say let's say let's say you're married and you have a kid and uh, you call up work to take time off and I was reading this somewhere in, in a book with the statistics I don't remember the exact names but there's like a bias like you're like more likely to get approved for your leave because you you have a quote-unquote legitimate reason mm. whereas if you just you know like Wait, so you're saying if you're married and you want to go home to your kids or you're just saying that if you're married in general it's easier to get leave if you're married and you have kids yeah your your leaves are more likely to be approved than if you just okay okay it. but can i just can i just stop you there because like this is a societal thing no no i get that but i'm saying kids aside yeah okay like i you can convince me that yeah if you have kids it's probably a good idea to get married it, it creates more stability but I'm saying, let's take a step back. Uh-huh. Because, okay, so are you saying that the only reason you get married is because you want to have kids? Is, is that the reason? I think for me, yeah. If I wasn't going to have kids, I don't think I would get married. Interesting. Ooh. That, that, that's where I am anyways. I, like, I don't know. Like... So, so, so the, the contract of marriage is... <laughs> We can blame kids for that shit. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to think. I'm like, mm. so, so you know, you're, you're you're talking about like you know a lot of a lot of the marriages end in divorce. So why do people marry? Yeah, but I think that logic itself is false. Okay. So a lot of people uh, start a business. So the rate of like business failure is quite high as well. Like if you start a mm. fresh business. Yeah, it's like 80% small businesses close. It's, it's pretty high that you, you're going to fail. But a lot of people do it. Why? Same question. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's madness. So do, 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 you think, do you think people should stop making businesses? Because <laughs> no. you're saying people should stop getting married. Uh... Look, you. I, I I don't think so. My my initial response is no. Like you know, I I, I believe that everyone should follow you, their passion. You know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you. I think what what the key thing he's here is. I think it's about faith, right? Ah, uh, fuck this, man. Fuck faith. <laughs> <laughs> like it's about like you know someone someone. Either you know making a business or making a, getting married or or like one of those really big things that also could very well blow up in your face. And if it does blow up, it's gonna have repercussions. When you engage in one of those things, you do so with like this level of inspiration and faith and trust that it's gonna work. Yeah, but once again, my whole okay, okay, okay. Let, let's take a step back. All right, all right. my whole point. Uh-huh. Is that these the, like this is delusion? Mm-hmm. My whole point is the idea that even a business owner who starts a business mm-hmm. who says, "Oh, I'm gonna be the next Steve Jobs. I'm gonna have the next like you know multi billion yeah. dollar company." That person is delusional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they end up actually becoming Steve Jobs, like that's a statistical anomaly. Like, good for you. Like, congratulations. <laughs> like, you won the lottery. Like, well done. Uh-huh. But my whole point is that. The reason I'm saying, okay, in a, in a small business, yeah, uh-huh. worst case scenario, you go bankrupt, yeah, okay. 
and you lose all of your money and you have to like declare bankruptcy, build again from scratch and you can start another business, you can get another job, you can mm-hmm. work your way back. But I think the, the, the consequences of a divorce on people's lives, people's well-being, children's well-being, children's future is so much more than the consequences of a small business not working that I think as a society we should be really rethinking the idea I mean, of marriage. So if you... if Even if there is no marriage, if two people are together and they have a kid and they break up, the, the, the kid's still going to be in that same situation. So I think leave the kid out. <laughs> okay. Um, but the other repercussions that you mentioned about, you know, like, like I've got a couple of friends that are going through a divorce and um, like one of them was talking to him a while ago and he was like, man, it sucks because I was like the main breadwinner of the house. I made most of the money for the down payment of the house and all this stuff. And now that this building up is going half, half and he was just not having a good yeah, time yeah, with yeah. it. Right. And that's understandably so. But then again, like that scene, that was his main concern that he had about his divorce. Uh, other, other than the emotional stuff that obviously comes with it too. And uh, so in a way, it's very similar to the bankruptcy thing, right? Like you're losing a lot of your money and finances and there's that emotional part of like losing anything. But then, see, you, you're looking at it, say, so it's like a risk, right? You take a risk that could yield high reward. But what's the high reward? High reward... Because to me, it sounds like a fantasy that we like a fairy tale, like like a Cinderella and Prince Charming. It's, no. It sounds a bit like like a like not I real. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's about Cinderella and Prince Charming. Like you know, the the, the I I agree that the sort of the happily ever after sort of notion is toxic and mm. not true and. I think that's actually ruined a lot of people's chance at finding real love as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a whole different kind of form. But I, personally, I think if you are in a committed relationship that you know each you are supporting each other and you are building a life together, I think I think having that is highly value for me at least personally like i would i would highly that's a that's something that's like you know like when you risk something right you you risk something that you have something to gain and you have something to lose that's the thing that i would have to gain by this and you get that what i would have to lose also is like the heartbreak blah 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 i get that and this kind of this relates to the second question that I had, which is, oh, yeah. what is the difference between freedom and loneliness? Because, you know, someone like me, you know, like lone wolf, like I love my independence. I want to go and fucking conquer the world, whatever you want to call it. You know, to me, in, in my lens, that's freedom, you know, like, yeah, like, why would you be held down by a mortgage? Why would you be held down by a marriage? Even kids, like, go live your life and... You know, mm-hmm. go on this like the savannah and run and jump and scream and laugh. But the alternative to that is, you know, depending on how you look at it, that can also be seen as loneliness. 
you know and, and is our our constant strive is our constant strive for companionship just us running away from loneliness you know as you're talking about that i just got reminded do you know mike manson mm. yeah i just got reminded of something mike manson talks about in one of his books um or one of his videos i don't know um so in his when he was younger he sort of did that he was traveling the world like a different city every night a different place and he was like not tied to any place or anything or any people um he was just traveling around and he, he talks about that and then so he he said he realized he thought that was freedom he thought that hey, if you can live anywhere you want to live do anything you want to do be anyone you want to be mm. that's a lot of freedom yeah and he he lived that for several years and then he he talks he talks about this in the context of what he calls zygonic effects i think don't quote me though uh, where you if you have if you open something like like you you're trying to you write an assignment right you you write one page one sentence or one paragraph of the assignment and then you you don't finish it so your mind is sort of still dedicating some cognitive effort to that continuously so it's like it, the tab is open in your brain okay so your brain has like these tabs open right and some tabs take more capacity mm-hmm than other tabs Mm -hmm. so for mark the tab of um relationship was taking a a big portion of his capacity and because he was traveling around he would be with like a a girl then for like a month and then break up go to a different city and then like so he was doing all that when he was doing that he kept that tab open and it was just taking a lot of his cognitive capacity and when he did settle down that tab was closed because he was like okay it's finished like the the, the essay is finished i've submitted it and i've got a great that i seem to be happy with right now at least and then that opens up all that space that that tab was taking like like think about yourself right now how much space do you reckon your brain is involved in when it comes to relationship from dating to to committed to sex to all, all, everything that w- you would, co- it would come as a package in a relationship how much do you think you your brain is thinking about that or your capacity is going to that time everything mm, look energy resources from the perspective of cognitive resources or like brain capacity mm-hmm. I, w- I would say a, a, a good amount yeah like a lot of time and, and thought and energy yeah but, but i'm still not convinced that's the that's a, that's the best way to view it okay so w- w- why do you think it's not a good way to view it i, I feel like it's a bit one-dimensional i think viewing everything as in terms of cognitive resources is kind of like it, it's it's just it, i think it's oversimplified because it's missing it's missing the element of of aliveness you know what i mean so like yes that's true when you're in a marriage it requires potentially less cognitive resources or when you're in a relationship 
because you're not as confused and as lost. But, but you might be in an unhappy relationship. You might be in a boring relationship. But based on your whole perspective, that boring relationship is still taking less resources. Therefore, no, no, it's better. I, I, not at all. That's, I, that's not where I stand. So like, if you're in a relationship it's, and you know it's like something's definitely wrong, that can probably take just as much, if not more, space because you're like thinking, should I fix this? Should I leave? And what can I do to fix it? Mm. Should I talk to, to to my partner? Should I go see a, I don't know, couples counselor? Like, there's a lot of, that, that will take a fuckload of mental space. I can personally match <laughs> for that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before you can come to a decision. So, but what I meant is when you take the risk the risks reward could be that if you land in a relationship where you're happy with one of the rewards of that risk is that that capacity will return to you so you can put that capacity into the endeavors that you want to be doing and you 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 love to be doing and you just like think about okay how many like the amount of time and energy that goes into this if you if it wasn't going there that would open you up to to do more things, and isn't that freedom? I guess so. Yeah. That, 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 that's a strong way of freedom, right? Like, would you say someone that has nothing to do, like like like, like imagine imagine if I, um, if I d- don't have any bounds, like there's no constraints on me, but I just don't have energy. I'm just tired all day. Would you call me free? No. Yeah. So energy is really important, right? Mm -hmm. So like when when you free up energy, you free up yourself. Like you become more free. Okay. I I have a counter to that. Yeah, tell me. This is just me trying to understand because I'm I'm interested. I I like it too. I'm interested in the way you're thinking of this. But one thing I don't understand is, so energy, yeah? So Uh you're saying, to me... I let's just say I accept your framework. Okay. I accept your framework. But to me it's like well right now, you know, being free and independent and single all of my cognitive resources go towards me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an egoistic way of viewing the world but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. When you're in a relationship that person's baggage, that person's uh mental instability that person's challenges that's also on your shoulders Mm -hmm. so how how are you more free i don't understand so if if it's a healthy relationship to the similar amount that you're carrying their baggage and their instability they're carrying your baggage and your instability so you know if, if if you if you uploading you know five kilos of their their weight and you're carrying those five kilos maybe they're taking five kilos off your back but did that is that even possible is that a thing it's like are you saying that the healthy relationship is a complete transactional 50 50 no no look so actually let me let me think a little bit It's not about it being transactional. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the times, like, like, 
it's really hard for something to be purely non-transactional. I think, mm-hmm. personally, I think it just, that seems like a very idealized thing that maybe some people can, can, can have that. But I think most people, that's kind of a little bit out of reach. Maybe you can like get to a point where you're like 80% non-transactional or 90% non-transactional. But you, I don't think you can get to that point where just, yeah. it's just non-transactional. You're just like, like, that's like a really highly enlightened sort of state that I'm just not there. Maybe maybe I get there in 20 years, who knows. Mm. But um, I think it's like... It's like when you when you play a team game, team sport, right? Imagine imagine a team sport. You play mm-hmm. soccer, right? So you've got you've got some abilities in your soccer. You maybe you run fast, right? So you bring in the skill of running fast into your team, so your team can utilize your running fast to score goals. Mm-hmm. But then uh, people can dribble past you easy. So you also bring in the downside of people dribbling in on you and getting past you and the enemy team can score. Mm-hmm. So you've got your pros and cons and you bring that to the team. Yep. And other people are bringing their pros and cons to the team. Mm-hmm. And you've got this team that has a lot of pros and a lot of cons, but you guys working together to utilize the pros and try and mitigate <laughs> the cons to score the team. That's how I see it. Wow, dude, that's, that, that actually makes so much sense for me. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful you use the soccer analogy. <laughs> actually made so much sense. I was trying to be like, okay, how can I blurt out what's in my head in mm. a way that's understandable and relatable? So I think this example to me, it's, it's just a very elegant analogy for describing being complementary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When two people are complementary to each other, it's kind of like, and, and this is the case in a friendship too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I genuinely reckon, like me and you, our friendship, we've got, we've got, we've got good, good soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a good soccer team. We can win, we can win games. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, no, I get that. You know, like we we sort of push each other in in ways that can be like you know the other day i was feeling a little bit defeated with my whole thesis thing you just like you told me the the thing i didn't want to hear but the thing i needed to hear like you know mm. you just gotta do it bro you, you just you just gotta fucking do it you know yeah yeah and that really helped me because that was what i needed to hear even though i probably didn't want to hear it yeah. but that was what i needed to hear and you, you, you gave me that and i give that to you quite often too mm. so it's like a yeah yeah okay so then I think this makes sense. So, so you're saying that these sorts of interactions is maybe not always possible if you're living on your own because, you know, so let's just mention the example the other day. Mm-hmm. So you're at the gym and you were really stressed with your uh, honors thesis and you're like, oh, like, you know, I feel defeated. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And you're really, really like ruminating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my thing to you was, I like fucking slap you in the face and I was like you're in the middle of the war zone now is not the time to be upset mm-hmm. just fucking do it and then you can and we can talk about your emotions next week once you've submitted the thesis yeah and and that form of like very 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 frank advice mm-hmm. you can't just give to anyone you have to be very close exactly with someone you, need, you, need, you need a level of trust and connection before they can so anyone could say that to me but i wouldn't take it on board well 
mm-hmm. if anyone told me that to me. Like, it, it, from coming from you, I took it on board in a very good way. But if it came from someone that I don't have a strong connection with, I'm like, who the fuck are you to tell me that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? There's a, there's a level of defensiveness. There's mm-hmm. a level of guard, being on guard and protective that sort of that gets sort of riddled away. And it, when you have that intimate connection, like a personal relevance with this person like you know this person you trust mm. this person you have this bond with this person when you've got that there's less guardedness there's less okay. uh, protection layers and and okay so I, I like where we're going with this i think we're, we're, we're going down the path of a a deep can i say emotional connection yeah is, is that correct yeah so deep emotional connection is is really important and and many 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 uh, many things that you can say and do with someone who you have a deep emotional connection with, you can't do with other people. I think we both agree on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want to mention a quote that there's a quote in there's this book by Ray Bradbury, and he describes friendship in a very poetic way, which I really resonated with. Uh-huh. I'm going to butcher this paraphrasing, but I want to try. I think he says. He says, friendship is like liquid in a cup. Mm -hmm. It slowly, slowly fills up the cup until one drop causes it to overflow. And he's like, you you don't realize how deep that friendship is until that last drop causes it to overflow. And I really resonate with that because it's, it's the idea that when you're building a friendship with someone and you're building a relationship with someone, sometimes it's you don't realize what's actually happening behind the scenes until there's one small act of kindness mm, that causes that moves you that moves you and then you become really grateful and really aware of what what you actually had and what you have. And to me that's a really beautiful way of describing it. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Nasu? I like it. It sounds cool, but I would have uh, I've got a bit of um, other side to it. So I think it really depends on a few things. So one thing is uh, past experiences, and I'll bring them together. And the second thing is self awareness. So if if you are someone who's always had um, good friends around since you were a kid, you might, and you don't have high level of self awareness. You definitely, I think, fall in that category where you only notice it when it's mm-hmm. overflowing. But if you're someone who, at least for a period of time, didn't have many friendships or the kind of friendship they wanted or the good friends or whatever. And you've got high high level of self awareness that you you're noticing oh I'm missing something in my life, and then there comes that cup even if the cup's got five drops in it because you're so thirsty you see the five drops you notice the five drops you it catches your eye you're like oh I've got five drops now I had none but if you always have had you know ten cups bit like you know half half full you would never notice uh, 11th cup if it got added 
so does that make sense? Like, no, it does make I think, sense. I think there's a little bit more subtleties in there, but I do like it. It sounds poetic and mm-hmm. nice. No, I, I agree with your point, but I guess my just using this analogy, it's like you haven't reached the threshold for deep emotional connection until the cup has overflowed. Mm-hmm. Like that's my whole point. It's mm-hmm. like you can see potential in a friendship or a relationship or an interaction, mm-hmm. but until it overflows, you, it, it's not the thing we previously defined as a deep emotional connection. Yeah, okay, yeah. that that makes sense. Yeah, and and I guess my next so. This idea of deep emotional connection has been very, very present in my mind um, since the beginning of this year. Yeah. And I've really been reflecting on what is love, what is deep emotional connection. And so we both agree that this is something that is important and this is, some, this is one of the gems of a relationship. I think it's not just a gem of relationship. I mean, if you think of, you know, I don't know, Maslow of hierarchy of needs, you know, love and belonging are there. And I think if you, I think Brene Brown talks about this love and belonging is as a intrinsic human need. So I think it's a bit more important than just a gem of relationship. It's Mm. a human need. As a social species, we need this. Like, if you mm. if you don't have this, I believe if you have absolutely everything else, like let's say you got health, you got money, you got all these things happening. If you don't have any deep connections with people, I think you will not be very happy for long. Maybe you can mm. sort of, you know, uh, lose yourself in the pleasures of the whatever mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe you can go game or do lines of cocaine or whatever mm-hmm. whatever like pleasure dopamine gets your system firing mm-hmm. but then at some point it becomes a little bit meaningless and you you lack that meaning and i think connection is what really gives that meaning okay can we just put a pause on love and belonging because i think that's a that's a very interesting avenue to go down uh-huh. But the last point I wanted to make on this whole deep emotional connection thing is this is something I've, this is a belief I've held for a very long time that I've only recently started to challenge. Mm-hmm. But to be like, okay, we, we, we both agree that this deep connection is pivotal. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, well, why do you need a relationship? Like if I can, if I can feel that deep emotional connection with you, yeah, I, I, I I have a deep emotional connection with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I have deep emotional connections with many other mentors and friends in my life. Then what's so special about a relationship other than the fact that there is a, a sexual chemistry that isn't in other relationships? I think there's two things. So definitely the sexual chemistry in that's one part of it which you say but i think there's a second part of so let's me and you have a deep connection right Mm. but and we are very much part of each other's life like we see each other a few times a week going to the gym whatnot but like you're not building your life together like you live in your life you got your van diagram Mm. and i've got i've got i'm living my life so we've got like these two circles that overlap a little bit or maybe a decent amount right mm. so 
you live your life, I'm living my life, and our lives tend to overlap 30%, 20%, whatever percentage, right? But the circle, Samim's circle is his circle, and Maz's circle is Maz's circle. Even though they overlap, they're quite separate. Okay. I think in a relationship, you know, Maz has Maz's circle, Maz's partner has Maz's partner circle, and then there's a third circle that's the circle we're both building together. That's the relationship. And because that's a life, that's a, that's a life we're building together. Like, you're going to go in together to buy a house. You're going to, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, the, the things that you do, generally speaking, only with a partner. Because so- that you don't do with, with a mentor, that you don't do with a friend. Generally, maybe there is some people that do that. But generally speaking, like, the whole building a life together. So me becomes us. Exactly. The, no, me doesn't become us. The me is there, but there's also a us. So there's a ter- three circles. There's Maz, Maz's partner, and then the relationship, the us. So there's there's, there's that mm. us circle that, you know, with me and you, that us circle, I don't think it, it sort of exists like that. Yeah, it's more like an overlap between me and you. Mm-hmm. There's no us in that like mm. do you know what I mean mm. I think that that's what makes a relationship special because when you have that us circle uh, it actually helps so you know I believe I'm very selfish I've, I, I came like but I, I, I try to be consciously selfish right like I I won't do something that I know like is gonna harm everyone and benefit me. Like I won't do something like that. But I've realized through a lot of like introspection. Like I used to think I'm a pretty selfless person because I do a lot of like, you know, altruistic things like, you know, do volunteer at Lifeline or do this or do that. And and I was like, oh yeah, I'm a pretty altruistic person, I'm pretty selfless. But like after meditating for a decent amount of time I realize I'm actually really freaking selfish. You know, mm. I'm I'm volunteering because it makes me feel good to volunteer. Um, not because it's like the main reason I volunteer is because I enjoy it and I like it and it makes me feel good. It's not because I'm helping these people. Like that's also a part of it, but it's not the main big reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I find is special about a relationship is that selfishness. It's a little bit less in that us circle. Because when you're in that us circle, the us, you're selfish about the us. So you expand your selfishness to include a whole another person. And I think that's a big change in perspective that I only experience in relationships. So yeah, I, I find that very interesting. Um, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily say it's better or worse because mm-hmm. you're still selfish. <laughs> you're just selfish. It, it's the way that like the the stereotypical like think of like Godfather. <laughs> I don't know if those who've seen the movie Godfather. It's like a uh-huh. the very like traditional ethnic family that's like, oh, you touch my sister, I'm gonna like kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a very like. That is exactly what you're saying. So what you're kind of mentioning is, and this is something I think we're kind of like doing a whole 
loop back to the beginning. This is what we kind of lack in in the West is in the East, the us is the family. The us mm. is the the family name. You know, you, you kill for your family. You fight for your family. You Everything is for your family. Mm-hmm. So it's the exact same way. There's me, there's my dad, there's my brother, there's my sister. And then there's the us, which is the mm-hmm. family name, mm-hmm. which includes... Based on what you're saying, way more than a relationship. It includes, oh, of course, it includes my cousins and aunties and uncles and my the partners of my siblings and my nieces and nephews. And there's this strong us. The only thing I would say about that, like I, I 100% agree with that, absolutely. But there's one difference. That family, you don't get to choose. At least, like, uh, like you know, mm. some people spiritually reckon, you know, yeah, no, no, I agree. You don't aside. get to choose. Yeah, leave that aside. You don't get to choose that. So, you know, if if you if you are given something, like let's say, you know, you were born Baha'i, you know, you were raised Baha'i, you didn't choose to be Baha'i. Mm. So, you even though you identified as Baha'i, it wasn't your choice. Okay. And so, I think when you say your choice. It's different. Okay, so are you saying that if someone's in a in a uh, what's it called uh, organized marriage? Like, yeah, I don't think I don't, I I wouldn't think that would that would sort of have the same planned marriage of effect that I am talking about. I don't think it would be there. So you're saying there's there's something about choice. Yeah, having a choice because you've chosen. Like you've looked at this person, you've seen, you know, the the. Their imperfections, and you like, I love this person with their imperfections, or even because of their imperfections, or whatever. Mm. And you've decided to, you know, expand your circle of me to us with this person. I think it's like family is very special because there is that us. But when you pick that person and then choose to expand, I think that's a little bit different. Mm. Just because of the choice. Well, I, I just want to take a bit of a, a dark turn. Sure. To be like, when there is, uh, let's just say, divorce, unhappiness okay. in, mm-hmm. I feel like someone can feel trapped in the us. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think of it as many, many people are ashamed by their family. They don't like their family. They don't want to be associated with their family. And the distress is because... You just you, you don't want to be in the us anymore, but you can't. It's like a, yeah. it's like a death sentence. Yeah, and I think a, a marriage uh, or an unhappy relationship is the same. It's like you're like, well, I don't want this us anymore, and it's like, well, you can't escape it because because yeah, there is the, very complicated. And and this links to the the next topic I want to talk about, which is if you think of the two Venn diagrams, the us mm-hmm. it overlaps with the me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you lose the us, you lose a part of the me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, this is my personal theory. I think the reason breakups are so difficult or the reason uh, the death of a loved one is so difficult is because there is a part of you that only exists when the other person is around. Mm-hmm. There is a part of you that the other person brings out. So when you lose that other person, when you lose that loved one, it's as if you've lost the part of yourself that you'll never be able to have again. And that is what you mourn. I, I don't think you mourn or you grieve the loss of the other person because you just love them. It's like you loved the part of yourself that the other person would bring and and now you, you're sad because you know you can never have that person back. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's I, I frame it more as an identity problem 
than a um, than a like you miss the other person problem. What do you think of that? Well, I really like so you remember Michael who yeah said, this links to that yeah this said something like this is like you um, you were talking about what is love it's like love is you. You love how you are when you are with that person. You don't necessarily love the person. You love how the, how you are when you are with that person. Mm. That was like the gist of what he was saying. And I've thought about that a lot. And I think I, uh, I, for the most part, I, I agree with that. And that really aligns with what you were saying. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think, but like you know, to bring it back to that us thing mm. I, I think I think like uh, you, you talked about like you feeling trapped um, yeah I think I, I, I would agree that 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 is a a downside of that us as well like the the, the, the us circle mm. um, can get you in a trapped position like you know you know when I, when I was doing lifeline sometimes I would get calls from people who are trapped in that us and the us is clearly like not in a way that any us should be like there's dv domestic violence and things like that mm. right but they're just being trapped so there is definitely a, a potential of being trapped in those circumstances but i you know i'll i'll bring it back to one of my things that we've talked about together a lot about like you know you gotta risk it for the biscuit <laughs> do you want the biscuit yeah <laughs> you gotta risk it you gotta you gotta mm. risk it for the biscuit you know i think like you could you could be safe in your life always you know you can stay in your room don't leave your house you know find a job online and order your food into your house and never leave your room. Yeah, yeah. You could do that in today's society, right? Yeah, you could. You definitely could. And, you know, for one, you would definitely not get COVID. You probably won't have an accident, like a car won't hit you. Like, a lot of bad things won't happen to you. Mm-hmm. A lot of bad things won't happen to you. Won't yeah, happen. yeah. Like, but, you know, but in contrast, going to the gym, you can injure yourself. I, I reckon I actually fucked my shoulder up a little bit <laughs> you know so so but but is 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 safety so important to you like safety of your identity or whatever is is that so important to you that you like okay i'm not gonna extend my leg in a place where there is potential danger and i'm just gonna stay in the safety of like my comfort zone or whatever because going out can hurt me and you look i think sometimes you do need to balance balance the two you know you can't just like i i tend to like open up my chest and like bring it and just go, yeah. go into the darkness for two weeks you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i think generally speaking there should be a balance of you know taking risks but also coming back and then taking risks again. And so there's like a, yeah. Yeah, look, what I, do you think? I, I think I, I love that. And I think I, I would agree. And you, there is an element of aliveness too. And that, that's why dating is such an exciting thing when 
or, or building a life with someone is so exciting because there's an element of risk. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's like a adrenaline, like there's like an excitement. But I guess I, I just wanted to touch on something with the us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this, like the idea of death. You know, it's it's kind of it's been on my mind, and I just I, I just like to think about it. It's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought about. I was like, okay, look, let's just say tomorrow. Let's just say I want to do some activism shit. So I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do some activism against the Iranian government. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And let's just say tomorrow the Iranian government comes and assassinates me. I, it, can, like, I can see that happening. It, it can happen. <laughs> it can happen. So they're just like, I'm just walking on the street and they just fucking come kill me or they kidnap me or do whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and just follow me with this part of the story. Let's just agree that they might kill me. Thank you. Um, so anyway, they kill me. And then I was thinking... What would happen next? What would happen if I was killed? Like un- unjustfully, unwillfully. The, the, the thing I know for a fact mm-hmm. is my family will not stop until I have justice for my death. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know for a fact that my friends, even like Masu is like my closest, bestest friend ever. I don't know like if my friends would dedicate their life Mm-hmm. to my justice and, and let me just say like this whole idea it's I'm romantical it's hypothetical I'm romanticizing that my life has meaning and I'm special and if I die people would care that's a whole nother conversation that's a whole nother conversation but let's just say just follow me for this part accept this as a given accept this as a given yeah it's the family that would that would I could see my siblings my parents like dedicating the us. The us dedicating their lives to and you see this on the news you know you see these victims of of uh, war whatever, crimes yeah. of whatever their families they're the ones on the news they're the ones going to the activism campaigns they're the ones that even though their family members are dead or they're gone they will not stop until there's justice mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and that really made me think of like the way we live in the west the way we live such individualistic lives and we don't we don't value family as much. Like I know many, many of my friends, many of my colleagues, they maybe see their sisters or brothers once a blue moon. They mm. don't really have a relationship with them. Same with their parents. They're like, oh, I visit them a few times a year, blah, blah. And I just thought, I was like, well, if those people were to die, like who is going to avenge their death? And I know maybe it, <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it doesn't matter if someone avenges their death. Maybe you can say, okay, if I die, I die. But there's something poetic. There's something, there's something like, there's something cool about having your death avenged, you know? And, and I like to think that everyone would like their death avenged. Like that's, that's like a, maybe it's like an evolutionary thing. Maybe I've just watched lots of movies, but it just made me appreciate the role of the us of the family and maybe a relationship is the same maybe the relationship is like it's about legacy so a relationship is a legacy a family is a legacy so it's like when you're dead you still live through that person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so if you think about it evolutionarily to be like it's about survival of the fittest survival of your genetic makeup maybe we have this drive to create an us so that we can live on live on after we died you know and and i'm not just saying in terms of having kids with someone i'm saying the story of you lives on in someone else's identity and that in a way is is evolutionarily adaptive 
So yeah, it just blew my mind this this this, this idea. It's really cool. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm, I'm, what do you think? I'm thinking about it. So oh, I had something and just sort of forgot it. Um, So one thing I was thinking while you were talking, I just didn't want to interrupt you, is like, okay, A, when you're dead, I don't think you would <laughs> care if you're being amazed or not. I know, I know, but I'm saying this <laughs> but like, is it's different. It's like when me alive right now... Would want that. I feel more comfortable knowing that if I did die, my death would be avenged. Yeah, okay. So it's more yeah. about how... The, the possibility makes me more comfortable in my alive state yeah yeah so it brings you a level of comfort mm-hmm. knowing knowing that the us will protect you in that circumstance the mm-hmm. us will stand up for you exactly there, there's there's something about that that's just very comforting yeah no I I, 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 I see that I see that <laughs> very interesting I, I've never thought about that before it's, that's actually interesting yeah, I think I, I also had a... I don't know if you want to linger on this topic. I had the topic of the friendship and death. Uh-huh. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still on the concept of death, there's another thing I was thinking about was... Like, think of a friend. Mm-hmm. Like, think of someone who... For this example, think of Michael. You know, a really close friend of yours mm-hmm. who you deeply love, who you deeply have a good connection with. Mm-hmm. And who you really value in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Let's just say tomorrow, that, that friend, that best friend, that companion, he he just fucking, he just disappears. Like he goes to some remote village in Africa. He sends you a letter. He's like, hey, Maz, you know, I'm going and I'll never be able to talk to you ever again for the rest of my life. This is the last time you have any correspondence with me. And, he, and he, he does this spontaneously. Like you don't even have time to prepare. Or you don't know he's going to leave. He just leaves. And that's it. And he's gone out of your life. My question is, how is that different to if he was to just die tomorrow? He just, he just died. He just got hit by a car and he's dead. Because like I, I'm talking about is death. Death is the idea that you no longer can see that person ever again. And that's what's so difficult in my opinion. It's like, that person's gone forever. And it's like, if the person was to go to Africa, you, I don't think you would be as distressed as if he was to die. Because when he's in Africa, you know at least that he's happy. You know at least that he's living his best life. So mm. that gives you comfort. But mm. with death, you think that he's gone and he's not happy. Well, actually, I think for me, I actually reckon when you die, it's pretty good. I don't know. Okay, so, <laughs> so okay. like my my personal belief is when at the time of death your brain produces a shit ton of DMT, mm-hmm. and there is some evidence suggesting that this is the case with like near death experiences and like mm-hmm. things like. And I reckon that you'll just go on a trip, and uh, I don't know where that trip will take you. Uh, but I reckon it'll be a good trip. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I've got a. I personally don't fear death. I don't think that is a bad thing. If it comes, hey, I'm here. But that's for you though. I'm not talking about so, you. But so that's but because I believe death to be a non-negative thing, then if it happens to someone I care for, 
I mean, I will mourn the loss of not being able to see them again. Same way I would mourn Michael if he was to go to Africa and I know I wouldn't see him again. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would mourn extra because... Really? Yeah, I think I think for me personally, it's it's just mourning the loss of seeing them because I actually think dying is pretty cool. Interesting, because mm, <laughs> very I controversial opinion. I wasn't, ex- hey, I wasn't expecting that because I think because I somewhat agree with you. I I wouldn't like not to say like I I would. Describe it a bit differently to say if someone I love was to die, I would be absolutely distraught. Yeah. And if someone I love was to go to Africa and never talk to me again, I would also be absolutely distraught. So to me, that is a evidence Mm -hmm. for the idea that death is about. Are you going to be like equally distraught? Yeah, I think so. But but I'm saying to me that's just evidence to be like if. Like you believe that when you die, it's happy and it's all good. Or some people will live in heaven or whatever. But that's the thing. It's like, it's about the beliefs that we have and the expectations. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying if we were to have more positive beliefs around death, then losing a loved one would be a lot easier to to process. You know, I reckon actually like about what you, t- you were telling me. So if in the letter, Michael said, you know, he's got this big problem and... Uh, like he's going because it's going to be a struggle. Like he's going to be struggling. Mm. If the letter had a positive tone versus... Well, oh, he got like arrested that. by the secret police and he's being tortured or something. Yeah, yeah. So if the letter had a positive tone, like, look, I found like the love of my life and the, the life I want to live and I'm just going to go and live it and I'm just going to do it. So that's a positive tone and a negative tone. Let's say with what you said. Yeah. He's been caught by the police or whatever and he's going to be tortured. So that makes a big difference into how I perceive that letter. Mm. Right? Like it makes a lot of difference. Like in both cases, I will mourn not seeing Michael as a loss from me Mm. but in the positive case I would be happy that hey his life is moving up Mm. but in that negative case I would also mourn that his life is moving down so I would double mourn I would mourn not having my friend but I would also mourn my friend having a shitty shitty time and shitty Mm -hmm. experiences so I guess why I brought this up is because it's very relatable to what you were talking about having positive beliefs about death because if you've got the positive belief about death it's like you've got the positive letter if you've got the negative yeah, exactly. belief you've got the negative letter exactly yeah. and it does make a lot of difference like yeah. you would feel very differently if you got either of those two right hmm. yeah no yeah I just thought it was a very interesting analogy for death and beliefs around death and um like yeah, I don't believe in heaven and hell, per se, but I just think it's very interesting. It's very analogous to those letters. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, the reason I was inspired by this is because I've had some friends who I've had very deep connections with mm-hmm. who I I no longer see very frequently. Mm-hmm. Maybe I message them once or twice a year. They live in a different city, different country. Mm-hmm. And then, and to me, it was like, well, is this, like, how is this different to death? Maybe it's a very naive thing to say. Like, I personally haven't experienced the death of a loved one. 
So if anyone has like, you know, just take what I'm saying as ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just really made me think to be like, it, it's the, the sadness surrounding death is very self-centered to an extent. It's very self-centered to be like, I no longer have that person. I, it's all about I, it's like in my life. I think, I think it goes back to what I was telling you about, is the, about the me circle. So I think if it's a us person that has died, I think it's different to if it's has me. Like you, I haven't had any person from my us circle die, so I don't know. Yeah. This yeah. is just hypothetical talking. Yeah. But yeah. I have a feeling when when like like if if it's someone who was from like a me circle that was just overlapping with mine is different than if it was someone from the R circle i don't know how it would be different because i don't have mm. had the experience of either really so i don't know i'm yeah, talking out of my no, ass that's at fair, this point that's fair, that's fair. but i do feel it's different mm. because of that whole us thing it, it creates a different mindset like because like it's a different kind of experience when, when yeah. something when when something happens to the us people you feel it more than if something happens to a, a, a me person that overlaps with you, Do you like yeah yeah just generally speaking right like like no i get that you know if yeah no i get that i get that shit no i, th- I think i, I, think I, I like what we brought it i think we, yeah. we did a full circle do you wanna do you wanna do the wrap up? Do you wanna do you wanna get us going, or do you want me to stop? Uh, yeah, it started with Samim in the Uber. <laughs> yeah, this all started with me in the Uber with my Pakistani driver. Yeah, like we went to you know relationships, married. Why get married? And uh, the sort of safety and risk, and you know what is friendship and death, loneliness, loneliness. versus freedom. Yeah. Um, we talked about altruism a little bit. Selfishness. Selfishness. We talked about a lot, actually. The us, Venn diagram stuff. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was, that was awesome. Solid. That was awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, that is episode three wrapped up. We um, actually quickly, a couple of things I wanted to say. We're going to be posting an episode once a fortnight on Friday mornings. So we're going to be very consistent for the rest of the year. So stay tuned for that. If you guys want to, I think if you follow on Spotify, you get notifications when we post an episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, we've recently also um, dropped our episodes on YouTube and YouTube music. Um, And finally, the thing I wanted to say is reach out to us. If you guys have our numbers or details, or even if you've just met me once and now you're listening to the podcast, Richard, I really, really like to hear people's thoughts and opinions and what our conversations have kind of triggered inside you. Feedback. What are you thinking? Just yeah. Yeah, I'm always Didn't down have for... have an impact on you. Yeah, I'm always down for a coffee to just talk about it and just have like another... Have a podcast about the podcast. So just reach out. Meta podcast. Meta podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. it. That's it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. We probably won't. Maybe we will. Fucking fuck. Let's go. Go do meditation. Go do meditation. I was like, I was like, damn, she's not going to sit down for a month. Masturbation. Before we wrap up, I want to get my religious frustration out. I wasn't empathizing with Hitler.
fucking fuck. Anything you want to do, you can <laughs> be a professor. Wink, wink. Really, you spent too much time on the phone. <laughs> <laughs>